Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Wine Flight. Very excited this week. Who have we got, Sophie? Okay, this week we've got Malika Basu and she is a food writer, consultant and broadcaster. Excellent. Hello, how are you? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very well. Thank you very much. Good. Well, we'd love for you to tell everyone what you get up to and what you do. Sure. Um, So I am a food writer and broadcaster. Uh, I had a very long career in the communications world. So I used to work in PR and communications for about 23 years. And about seven years in, I started writing about Indian food. Mm -hmm. And that led to two cookbooks. Um, I uh, started commenting on food. I was writing for the Evening Standard. And then I started uh, commenting on food and culture issues. So now I combine those two things and I run my own consultancy that advises on culture, communications and counsel. Amazing. And you're a diversity advocate as well, aren't you? Very much so. So culture very much covers that because, of course, you know, recent sweeping changes mean that things can't go on the way they have. And we've been looking at things like power structures, you know, hierarchies, Mm -hmm. minoritized communities. Why were we minoritized in the first place? So (laughs) everything I do covers things like that and coloniality and also just shines a light on exciting fresh talent from lots of different backgrounds. That's awesome. It's brilliant. And where does wine fit into your lifestyle? Are you a big fan or are you interested or? Well, let's just say I'm I love wine yep. and uh, my life wouldn't probably be complete without a decent <laughs> glass of okay, wine so or you, two. She likes wine. I need a <laughs> lot of wine. wine to get through it all, yes. <laughs> um, I would say for anyone um, interested in what you do, head to your Instagram page because every time I look at what you're up to, my mouth is absolutely salivating. Like your recipes on there and the things that you cook it just looks incredible. Do you do that much for pleasure these days or is it mainly for work? It's pleasure really, Sophia, and that's sort of what kicked it off because, um, you know, when I moved here from India, I really didn't know how to cook. So I couldn't even boil an egg, frankly. (laughs) And cooking, teaching myself how to cook Indian food was very much a labor of love. Now I thought, if I don't do this, I'm basically not going to get what we call gharka khana, so home-cooked food. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to have to teach myself how to do it. And I was doing that while also having this corporate job, having a really active social life out and about in Soho and elsewhere in central London, enjoying wine (laughs) and much more besides. Um, And so that's sort of what got me into food writing. And now I do less of recipe filing. So often the sort of recipes and methods you'll see on my Instagram are just personal pleasure. It's what I do at home. But then I do get recipe commissions, which are lovely. Mm. And that's nice to be paid for it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anyone who wants those recipes, obviously I have two cookbooks. So, you know, they're out there. Um, they're definitely out there. <laughs> one of the things that I just couldn't get over was your Christmas feast. Oh. <laughs> so talk us through that. What, what kind of dishes did you make for that? So that was definitely not a professional thing. That was but the entire... You have to go on. If that you was just pure it. personal pleasure. And one of the best things about that was that I sourced all the ingredients from my clients. So I basically bought the ingredients from 
people I'd advised in the corporate world, Borough Market, Waitrose, BB, recipes came from BBC Good Food, who I also present a podcast for now. So, you know, it was a lovely way for me to spend Christmas with my clients with oh. no stress at all, just pure joy. Love it. What was on the platter? Oh, goodness. Um, so I thought I'd make a three-bird roll. So bearing in mind, I haven't actually cooked Christmas for the best part of my life, right? <laughs> so I was married for a long time to a Christian, a Latin yeah. Christian. And sort of midway through our marriage, he said, look, I'm just going to take charge of Christmas dinner. And it suited me perfectly because <laughs> it meant I could start drinking wine from about 11 days <laughs> on Christmas Day. Um, and, and so, you know, I've never really, I don't remember the last time I'd actually cooked a proper Christmas meal. So for me, it was, there was no messing about. It was like a proper traditional, didn't do a full turkey, but I did do a three bird roast. Whoa. We had roast potatoes. Is that when you have the bird inside the bird? There's three birds. Bird inside, bird inside, oh, bird. I always so they find that a bit it. weird. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know, but I've never tasted it. It was so good. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. Ben, have you done it? Three well, birds? Well, if it comes with roast potatoes, I'm in because that's my You stuff a bird with another bird and then that bird. Yes, but that's <laughs> what we can actually stuff I would eat it. So yeah. Sophia has this vision of literally someone grabbing a massive bird <laughs> and stuffing it yeah, inside. The, no, that's not how it works. They debone the thing. It's like a breast meat that they're wrapping. So they're layering okay. three breasts. With, do you know what? You're, you're not far from what I thought before I actually bought <laughs> the darn thing, so I can imagine. But I was intrigued because isn't it a wacky concept? Yeah. Right? And the, everything went, the meat juice, everything oh, went together. so good. And you do nothing. You just literally pop it in the oven. You dry it out with a bit of kitchen towel and then the kitchen paper, and then you shove it in the oven and it just cooks. Mm. And then I did all these sides. I did seven sides. I did two desserts. I did three starters. And I know I did Sounds like a wedding. Crazy. <laughs> and also my children weren't around, you see. My children were with their daddy on Christmas Day. That's part of our agreement. So it meant that I could just spend days cooking. Wow. And sort of, I made my own gravid lax. I'd never done oh that before. God. I cured my own fish. Wow. So, wow. yes. <laughs> so uh, did any of it have an Indian flavour or was it all like huh. you know, traditional sort of westernised? I think I may have added some uh, some sort of spices to the roasted carrots. Mm. Um, but it was by and large a very traditional feast. And, you know, it's the one time of the year where I love doing that. I love cooking other foods of other cultures anyway. So basically, mm -hmm. I just love cooking. <laughs> so that's sort of my thing in the corporate world the reason I got into cooking was because I would imagine my boss's neck on the chopping board and it was great therapy after a busy day's work and I, I'm not going to tell you which boss <laughs> but there was one particular one that incurred my wrath but jokes about I am of course jo joking there are no violent streaks in me but um but it was therapeutic, you know, after a long day's hard work in the corporate world. You know, I was often the only diverse face in a room. I was often the youngest face in a room. It was very pressured. I was hugely ambitious. You know, one of my bosses used to joke that there were too many chiefs and only one Indian. And it was actually true. <laughs> and oh, really? I know. And, um, and so I got into cooking because I just loved the process of cooking, but also feeding people you love. 
Mm. And and so I love cooking with the food of other cultures and ingredients of other cultures. So that sort of the Christmas meal was not meant to be messed around with. Okay. <laughs> I have to say because my wife and I mainly cook Indian food at home, and we absolutely love it. But for people at home who may not have cooked it themselves and are kind of starting to start from scratch and move away from like ready-made sauces and things. What's the best recipe for someone at home to start getting into Indian cooking, do you think? Well, that's a, well firstly, it's lovely to hear that you and your wife cook you Indian food at home. <laughs> and of course, you know, I love restaurant food, but restaurant Indian cooking and food is very different to home cooking mm. for lots of reasons, both equally delicious. Um, and I always say that for non-vegetarians, you should really start with a chicken curry because a basic chicken curry illustrates very easily and simply the magic that needs to happen at every stage of cooking the dish. So you fry the onions until they're soft and caramelized and golden. You then add your ginger and garlic and gently brown them. Then you add your first layer of spices. You wait for the spices to change their aroma before you go in with further wet ingredients like tomatoes or you know greek yogurt which has a really high fat content so watching that the transformative the transformative process that all those ingredients go through it's a really good segue into indian cooking which is also why it's quite difficult to rush it mm. so there are lots of simple indian you know quick indian recipes in all housewives like pockets including mine <laughs> But even with those, you have to see how things change and you have to really trust your nose and your taste buds. Sounds like intuitive cooking. Uh, the bit that you said about um, wait, you know, adding spices and waiting for them, them to transform, like all the many layers are so important. And I think that's what I find hard as a cook at home, being patient enough to wait for the next stage because generally, I think my understanding, even though... Uh, my mum's from an Indian background, but my understanding of making a curry was literally chucking everything in at the same time and putting the lid on and waiting to see what happened. But yeah, I would definitely love to learn more from you about the layering of flavours and aroma. I think intuitive is a really good word, actually, Sophia, because you notice, like I see a lot of cookbooks and a lot of great cooks will just skip steps because it's so natural to them in a way that isn't for a wide cross-section of people. And so it's so sort of, it runs in your DNA so freely that you almost forget that way it stops. Someone needs to know what, when the aroma changes means. You know, what does that actually <laughs> yeah. mean? Um, and you'll often see people sort of fluffing. They'll say, brown the onions in five minutes. And there is no way your onions will caramelize in five minutes. I mean literally unless you're deep frying them <laughs> it's not gonna happen so um so i think yes and also i know talking about all these stages makes it sound very complicated and time consuming but actually if you're cooking on a high heat those steps can be enormously quick and so i joke that never leave your curry unattended mm. and wander off maybe later when it's simmering but in the early stages no way like a child stay don't and watch leave it unattended. and also don't drink too much wine while cooking drink the wine after you've finished <laughs> okay but i have to admit that's a lesson that we've learned from another guest from ben mcgowan who is a musician he said don't drink before you go on stage <laughs> 
<laughs> so, don't drink before you've cooked the milk. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yesterday, when uh, we put out Kimberly Murray's episode, which is the day before we're currently recording this, um, I was making a. Uh, well, I made a uh, banu, banu, yes, uh, curried kind of potatoes. But then I put a t- anyway. The point is, I was making this tikka paneer dish, listening to the Kimberly Murray podcast. So I think everyone at home should spend a bit of time making their curry listening to this podcast there, there we go. go and because Dr. this is about 45 minutes to an hour you can brown those onions perfectly <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to recruit new listeners yes but also it's um that's a good point isn't it because i've i used to listen to music well i do listen to a lot of music yeah. while cooking but i'm trying to get more into listening to podcasts while cooking and it's it's nice um i wonder if sometimes listening to words actually distracts from your thinking <laughs> process <laughs> And so I haven't quite worked that out yet, but I'm, I'm going to attempt it for sure. Yeah, okay. yeah. everyone at home should give it a go. So oh, yeah. uh, the difficult thing, I think, with spice cookery particularly is pairing wine well with spice cookery. And before we talk about how that can and can't work, shall we try some wine? Okay, uh, sure. What think... a great idea. It's almost one o'clock too. I feel like this is <laughs> oh, part of lunch. Yes. yes. So there we go. For sure. Okay, so let's get going with the wines then. So I've bought a Picpoul de Pinay, which I think you were saying is a mum favourite. It is. I think <laughs> you'll find that it is a low-risk wine of choice yeah, for a mum's night out when we've had the, the week from hell and we're out, you know, just celebrating. It's a bit of a crowd pleaser, isn't it? Crowd pleaser. Yes, so Picpoul de Pinay, yeah, it is a great, it's friendly, it's, easy drinking, it's fresh. Um, I love it with seafood. I think I discovered it for the first time in a restaurant called Randall and Obin in Soho. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, with a seafood platter, it's divine. I was interested about this one. So this is called um, Excellence de Lomarin, um, 2021. So it's still fresh and young, but it's been aged on the lees, which is um, a layer of dead yeast cells. And basically the longer a wine stays on the lees, it, it, it brings into it these kind of bready, like yeasty mm-hmm. characteristics. Yeasty characteristics, like yes. Bread, biscuit, croissant, that sort of thing. And I've never had an Elise aged pig pool before. So I'm just interested to try it really, see what you think as well. Um, yeah. Sounds so. great. And would that maybe make the... Um, make the flavour a little bit more complex because exactly. Pickpool isn't known to be a very complex yeah. wine, is it? Yeah, so that's it. Pickpool is fresh and friendly, light, crisp, uh, stainless steel, aged mm-hmm. usually. Um, but yeah, that ease ageing should give it a bit more complexity, um, more kind of layers to kind of work out and maybe a bit creamier, a bit more textured. Ooh. The really nice thing when you start getting cream and nuts into the wine is they start pairing with slightly fattier foods. Mm. So you can start bringing a bit more fat into the food pairing. So you go from white fish to oily fish and start moving into a bit more richness. Yeah, like tuna, fatty tuna. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the colour of this, it's a lot richer. It is a bit richer, I was going to say. Yeah, a lot more yellow Mm -hmm. um, than you would expect a pit pool to be. Um, And it smells 
It smells lovely. It smells very floral, isn't it? It's more floral than I would have expected. The other thing is, I would drink that with Indian food. I wouldn't normally pair a pig pull with Indian food. Maybe a little bit too acidic, but that's got more complex flavor, yeah. which balances the acidity. Do we think? Yeah, I, I think would so. Agree. Yeah. Nice. The experts agree with me. <laughs> the happy days. You're the food expert. So. I reckon if you yeah. had if you had a naan and that creamy black dal with this, Ooh. that would be so I made creamy black, black dal last weekend. Did you? Oh, did you? In I've a pressure cooker. <gasps> Very nice. <Really>? Cheating. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't even know what cheating was to make that. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always order from Dishoom. <laughs> it's yeah. so good there, right? Oh, so good. I have a rule. I have a rule that the sign of a good Indian restaurant is by the black dal that they make. Mm. Ooh, so best black dal I've ever had. I don't know if I can say this, but it was at a Nepalese restaurant called uh, Yak Yetiak in Bath, and oh. loads of dried curries. So really, like dried, spicy, really strong on the spice. But the black dough is the only creamy part, and it just the whole thing together oh, just works. Oh, sounds beautiful. amazing! Yeah, really Coming up to lunchtime again. <laughs> <Okay>, <laughs> yeah, we're all going to be quite hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm pleased with this. Actually. I'm really pleased with this. Yeah. This is lovely. Um, what do you? It's a lot softer. Like you said, people can be very quite acidic, can't it? And um, yeah, but I think this has a roundness to it, which that Lee's aging sort of does. But. There's a very nice movement going on in Pickpool now because it has a reputation of being fresh and, um, you know, uninteresting in a good way that mm. everyone kind of enjoys it and there's not much to put people off. Uh, there's a lot of winemakers now uh, pulling part of their production aside to start lees aging, oak aging, mm. maturing the kind of wine and coming up with different versions of the Pickpool style. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember who the winemaker is, but one chap who I met last year before Christmas had done a 36-month oak-aged pickle. And it was genuinely beautiful because it handled the oak really subtly and it was there as a soft, smoky spice to the pickle and it worked mm -hmm. really, really well. Um, so there's some innovation going on. No, that's fascinating. Fun. Yeah. I have no idea. Mm. And I think as the region gets older and older like so the minimum age of the vines that are used to make this wine are 15 years old so when vines get older they have more um the grapes become more concentrated a bit more character um so i think that, i guess that's part of it as well that de that evolution of mm. wine making and, and all that mm. good choice very good choice. Nice. Well done. And has something to add to the conversation at the next mum's night out. Mm. <laughs> Bring a series Did you of talk about pickles. your pairings with this? Did we? Yeah, yeah, we got it. Creamy. We got it. Creamy, creamy dal. <laughs> okay. Maybe we will take How that. How much one out. Out. <laughs> the morning? I'm your second one, aren't I? Yeah. This is going to be a fun day, isn't it? Good. Podcast <laughs> four would be like, sorry, we should no, do it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it's a bit slurry. It does happen. Oh. Um, right, Ben, okay. what have you got for us? So, um, Pickpool, very fresh in style. I've got you. This breaks my heart, by the way. Sorry. I know. So so We're sad. saying goodbye to the Pitbull here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have uh, Barafakis uh, Idea, which is Ooh. their Certico Malaguzia blend. Yes. It's 50-50. Uh, unusually fairly well aged. Actually, Malaguzia tends to be better drunk young, but 2018, so we have a few years on it. Uh, and this 
uh, Asetica you probably recognize. I do. Yeah. I had a holiday in Santorini and Mykonos. Ah, I know it yeah. well. I've actually drunk it in the wineries there. So well, there hey, you go. Lovely. <laughs> ah, a, a mutual friend of ours, Mike McKibben, loves Greek wine. He does love yes. a bit of Greek wine. Yes, we have noticed. <laughs> so uh, the fun thing about Asetica, I think, is uh, Santorini, obviously famous for it, very volcanic, very mm-hmm. saline, very quite intense and actually surprisingly high in alcohol. As you come to the Peloponnese, so southern mainland Greece, you have a different style. So you have a bit more clay, you have a bit more water retention, you have a softness to the Assyrtico, so it's a bit more pithy lemon kind of style. Nice. And in the case of Malagusia, which is very kind of um, opulent, grapefruity, low in acidity, can be quite broad sometimes, a nice Assyrtico will lift it. Mm. And it will kind of add freshness to quite a rich body. That's interesting. I've never had a combination of the two, actually, I don't think. Yeah. That's, is that unusual? It's more common in export, whereas when you're in Greece, you tend to right. find the single varieties. Um, but the Assyrtico Malaguzio as an export wine has been quite a good way to get people in the West to start drinking more Greek wine. How interesting. Because mm. um, also Assyrtico, is not, it's not for everyone, is it? It can be quite minerally and savoury. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely, minerals mm. a great word for it. Yeah, it can be quite, like you say, saline, salty. So, and, right. Mm. Yeah, this one, I think, because it's Malagoose, it's really nice and perfumed on the nose. Which it is, is, isn't it? Gosh, even more, more beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I was enjoying the aromas and I was like, oh, God, I'm quite it. getting into this. Maybe I know more about wine than I'm letting on. Yeah, of course, oh. yeah. See, everyone does, I think. Yeah, it's Should like we unlocking. Oh, my, yes, definitely. Yeah. I'm all about that. Um, and I think as well, because we all have our memories and our, like, scent sort of... Um, journeys that go on in our brain so we all should take ownership of like our own sort of wine journey and our own sort of wine experiences definitely can i just say i really love that wine <gasps> good good i can yeah I right are you going to agree <laughs> i do agree it's, it's a bit sort of you're wearing like your flowing blue maxi dress oh, in santa it's taking you back Yes, overlooking the cliffs and the little islands. Mm. It's gorgeous. Really beautiful. It is really quite sophisticated Mm. and beautifully made wine, isn't it? It's very nice. It's Mm. it's fruity and silky and yeah, I like this. Am I allowed to ask what sort of price point one would buy that at? This is about £15. Really? That's very good. <laughs> For your eyes of drinking opened. alone in front of the television, pretending you're in Santorini. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? And I have to admit, when you get to Mediterranean wines like this, because if you think of, um, well, when me and my wife go to the Mediterranean, especially Greece, we like to order lots of small plates. So you have almost everything in front of you, from like acidic tomatoes through to like rich grilled things and stuff like that, and Greek salad with the salty feta mm. and stuff. When you have a wine like this and it has acidity and that kind of body and openness, mm-hmm. it starts the pair of everything. That's uh, true. It's, it's very versatile. Yeah. It does. It also has more length. Like you can really mm. feel it at the back of your throat, can't you? Yeah. So it's got, it's nicer. It would be nicer with food as well. Definitely. Yeah. Because, you know, you can actually, it's, it would go with food better. And of course, Santorini 
and yeah. agrees great for tomatoes. Yeah. And I have a Greek friend when I went there, she said, if you see a tomato, eat it. What yeah. <laughs> so, is in the wild? A uh, rather <laughs> lot of tomatoes were consumed on my last That's why we have such a shortage. But it would go particularly well with that. Also, strong cheese. It would be lovely mm. with strong cheese. But I, I think it has that weight that it could even go with meat as well. Yes. So it's a beautiful Greek lamb. Mm. Especially, I love the way well, they do lambing so they just squeeze lemon over it so just keeps it nice and fresh and nothing too rich and so that the fat with the citrus is so delicious and i think yeah definitely it, well. it would work beautifully i have to say i'm quite jealous of what you do because i love food and the reason why i got into wine was because I was a completely useless food journalist. So I used to get like a, <laughs> used to get a gig to go and uh, I, uh, there's a mission, used to be a Michelin star restaurant when Sam Moody was the chef there called the Bath Priory, where I'm from in Bath mm -hmm. in the West Country. I think. It's really nice. And uh, when Sam was there, her eight course tasting menu, and I was supposed to write about the, the food, took a notepad, loved the food so much, wrote nothing down, because I was in a really lovely moment of oh, food. No. And I went, oh, this is really bad. So next time I went, I went, I'll write about the wine. And I'll, Francesco came out, she did a lovely sommelier flight and I could write endlessly about the wine, but the food, I was enjoying it too much. Oh, <laughs> it just in your own world. <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, happy accident. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but I suppose the, the really nice thing about wine for me, and I probably think for a lot of people who start getting curious about it and move from enjoying it to being curious about it, is the way it introduces you to food because mm. I was a lot fussier as an eater before no, you were I got as a into wine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. And then when I got into wine, I started to try new things. Like uh, I used to like think mushrooms are fine. Now I love mushrooms. I used to think um, cheese was always so difficult. So basically, you were exposure to fine food, like fine mushrooms <laughs> yeah, and the fine, fine dining, cheese. Sorry, yeah, fine dining. <laughs> now you started to like. <laughs> but, but also in the wine trade, it forces you in. I used to go to our cheesemonger and he would make me try bits of cheese because I was pairing the wine with it. I used to go and um, when I was on holiday, start trying things because they said the wine would go with it. Mm -hmm. And you get forced into all these quite interesting areas. And then my wife's vegetarian, which made spice and all that stuff really important. Hence why we cook lots of Indian food, because I think there's so much more interesting things you can do of course. in the vegetarian side as well. Um, so yeah, I think wine's brilliant for that. And I wondered if you had gone the food way into wine and if wine was becoming more and more interesting like it's for locked, you. It's unlocked the yeah. wine world. Has that food gone has that way? That's a really interesting question. And I love what you've said because, you know, an interest in food, of course, leads to an interest in what you drink with it, understandably. Mm -hmm. India was ve very new to wine, is very new to wine relatively. And um, I remember because I've been coming to Europe on holidays since I was about 11 years old. And I remember the first Indian wine brand launching and actually attending the launch party in Calcutta, where I'm from, when I was about 19 years old. Wow. And, you know, I'm now, what, 45. I have no shame in admitting to uh, my long years of aging and maturing. <laughs> <laughs> like um, a fine wine. Like a, a well, one, one hopes. <laughs> the jury is out. Um, but this, this idea that, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we started producing our own wine. So I'd 
developed a natural interest in it. My parents drank it. I was always given a drop of it to drink with food. We talked about wine when we came here on holiday. Um, you know, we'd buy wine. My mother had a particular pension for those little bottles that you can buy. Which yeah. <laughs> is embarrassing, but she loves them. She still does. Um, very odd, very odd. Yeah, um, she likes the sort of variety. She, she does, have. but you know, we almost saw it as standing slightly separate to food. Oh. It's interesting, oh. isn't it? Because this concept, it was more sort of as an aperitif. So the way you'd enjoy drink and alcohol in my family and our social circles is, you'd go somewhere, you'd have drinks and nibbles, and then the drinking stops and you eat your main food. Mm -hmm. And then everyone goes, everyone leaves. And so this idea of wine pairings and wine with food mm -hmm. is something I've definitely developed more as I moved here. So I came here when I was 18, I did my two degrees, one after the other, I got married and I stayed on. So that's sort of, what set me on when I started writing my food, mm. get interested in the complexity of wine yeah. Um, yeah. and how it then matches food. Mm. Yeah, and how it can change food, transform it positively and negatively. I think both um, things, how they work together is really interesting and how they can offset flavours and it can be this like amazing party in your mouth or it can work the other way. Like <laughs> if you had a kind of more savoury wine with a dessert, it wouldn't do any of those things justice. Mm. Well, yes, and uh, you know, my main interest area obviously with wine is what goes well with Indian food, right? So that's, I mean, I drink everything and I love everything and I love learning about different types of wine, but what I kind of read and study, I'm always looking for good wine with, with spicy food mm. or with complex textures or, food with bodies. So if you think about like a butter chicken, you know, that is enormously, you've got the cream, you've got the tomato puree, you've got the, almost like a passata. Yeah. You know, you've got kasuri methi, which is dried fenugreek, with, which balances with bitterness. <laughs> you know, the tomato and the cream. And, and so what would you drink with that? There's already so much going on yeah. on your plate. And then how do you complement it? Can you even complement that? Yeah. You know? Well, what do you think about, I think it's a somewhat Eurocentric view that to pair with spicy food, you would put something a bit sweeter, like um, a Gewürztraminer or a late harvest Riesling, something like that. And I think the idea behind that is to temper the spice. And I have friends from India who actually say, we like Shiraz with our curries because we like things that actually set off the spice because we love heat. So I just wondered what your view on that was and or is it just whoever you're serving the food to? Or I have a few favorites. I actually love doing a Shiraz or a Chianti with Indian food. And you know, you could argue that's not maybe that traditional, but... Yeah, so, so it's about sort it's of It's a real full on. I mean, you know, you've got all these flavors bouncing off a plate, right? You've got the garam masala, which are all the dried 
roasted ground spices that you're then powdering to finish dishes off with. You've got all the fresh herbs. And what you, what, why would you want to take away from that? Why would you want to make yeah. that less instead yeah. of more? So I'm, and I love a late harvest Riesling. Um, I've been enjoying Austrian wines as well. Mm. There's a bunch of them I really enjoy. I don't go for something terribly sweet, actually. Mm-hmm. I look for non-acidic. I think, you know, generally, um, you want your tummy to feel like it's in a good place. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely more motivated by, <laughs> you know, texture and palate as opposed to um, uh, as opposed to sweetness and dryness that mm-hmm. sort of that yeah. sort of thing and because I'm not a um, you know I'm not a professional wine buff or a wine expert I'm happy to just experiment just mm-hmm. see where things take me and yeah. I buy all sorts and try it and then and then I'll buy a crate <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. yeah we've talked about that before where sometimes having that sort of academic knowledge about something so wine in this case can actually kind of lock you in mm. to like these sort of parameters of understanding like you're like oh that wine wouldn't go with that because that's what it says in the textbook or something. 100% and I also love starting so I, when I was um, very rich in the corporate world I used to do a Bolly and Bolly evening so we'd have Bollinger to start okay. and then we're, we're going to come to one of these parties. Bollywood <laughs> themed like meals everyone Bolly dresses and Bolly so and Bolly cool. I know <laughs> can I just say those have long since died since <laughs> I became a startup entrepreneur them. we right. do don't we yeah do you come like on. my idea yeah. do you like my Ben's Bolly gonna Bolly? Run it. yes very good um, <laughs> can I just business. come dressed up and eat and drink yes. and not do anything you don't have to worry about running at this time <laughs> well, actually but they were just dinner parties in my home and um, and now I still, obviously, the Bollinger has slightly gone by the wayside, but I still love starting an evening of, you know, feeding people with something sparkling. Oh, yes. And I'll do like great. a glass of something, you know, a glass of two, maybe three. Yes. <laughs> well, talking about glasses of. Yes. Shall right. we let's, let's go to our some, some red wine. And I do have a story about red wine and Indian food, which I'll share Ooh. in a minute. But before we do, let's start with my... On the red, I think. Okay. It's slightly lighter. I have uh, Journey's End, um, which is a winery I actually drank for the first time when I was just a, a supermarket assistant at Waitrose on the wine department. Um, they used to give us a little bit of wine out the back to keep our training up, and I was 18 years old, so I thought that was brilliant. Oh, um, lovely. And Journey's End was one of my favourites then, and I actually didn't drink it then for about five six years that I got into wine and built a wine business very much focused on the weird and wonderful so centuries in Europe Asia and North and South America and kind of forgot about the classics in South Africa and that sort of world and then coming back into it with the consultancy and other things Journey's End was a reliable favorite it is a bit um, isn't it? it's a bit of a classic choice of brand so, I think so. Yeah. And I love the selection at Waitrose by the way I don't know if Thank I'm allowed you. to say that you are yeah, yeah and uh, off the supermarkets, I tend to buy my wine at Aldi mm-hmm. and Waitrose. Yeah, both, both great. I have to say, fine. that is, of the, all the supermarkets, they've probably got the best wine list. I'm delighted to have <laughs> my, my decision-making rubber stamped by the expert. <laughs> Excellent. Because it's all about the wine buyers, and I think... Yeah. Um, all the leading supermarkets have fantastic wine buyers who are often mm. masters of wine, or at least they're the tops, you know, the top of their field. Ooh. 
So this is Shiraz and Malbec. It's 12 months in oak, but it's in that very kind of jammy, soft fruit style of South Africa. Smoky. Yeah, Ooh, smoky. You got really get some smoke in there. But hopefully not too rich full body. It's not no, going no. into the really heavy The light style. tannin, oh, not too heavy a tannin as well, because tannins are not great with Indian food. No. I, I don't like how they stick around. It's like, go away. <laughs> My butter chicken needs to do this. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it would be great with the, the foods that you're talking about. Uh, because it has would. that smoke and the spice. But like you say, it's soft. It doesn't have that sticky, It does have the sticky gripping. Would be great with kebabs. Mm. This would be really nice with kebabs, actually. Yeah, right? Really nice. Barbecue. Yeah. That, that would be Why perfect. did you invite me at one o'clock? <laughs> Whose idea was this? This is the worst then, idea on, in the order world. order in the curry. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, actually, that smoky, spicy thing leads quite nicely into um, the story I was going to tell. So. Mm. I don't know if this might, this might actually be the winery you went to launch party for, but Rajiv Samant and Kerry Damsky set up Sula Vineyards. Evo Sula, yeah. yes. <laughs> and we import, well, we work with the importer for Sula at Novel. And one of the wines they do is a single estate Dindori Vineyard Shiraz. And I remember speaking to Kerry about it, and he said that he made the wine because Rajiv wanted something to push the Indian locals into having it with the food as opposed to before the food. So he was design, designing the wine in a way because it was always going to over-ripen a bit from where he is. So it's always going to have that slight sweet jammy fruit to it. And Shiraz is naturally spicy from the skin anyway, great exactly. affinity to oak. And he put it in really heavily charred, oak barrels for this Dindori estate to bring smoke into the wine, extra smoke and uh, softness and that vanilla note. And I had a customer at Novel who really did not like this one. I used to put it on every tasting and be like, have it, it's delicious. And it was very Marmite hit and miss. Mm. And he was a very good customer. But it got to the point where I said, okay, I'm going to bring a curry around your house. It was a Jalfrezi from a takeaway. And I said, have the wine with this and then tell me you don't like it. He now buys more of that wine off me than any <laughs> other customer for that Seriously? wine. He fell in love with the match immediately because of the sticky, sweet, jammy, smoky note mm, with his really tomato spicy curry. But won him over completely. On its own, he despised the wine. Go. He put it with that curry and he became a massive Isn't fan. Isn't that fascinating? Um, the Sula Shiraz is excellent, by really the way. I drink it when I'm in India. Yeah. And it is a very competent bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Sula a lot. I think they're, they're doing some wonderful things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting. And this being a Shiraz as well with Malbec in it, I think it has nods towards that kind of mm -hmm. style a little bit. Very much so, very much so. Mm. Are you, and I ask this of every guest and not all the guests like it, are you more a red or white wine drinker? Well, it just depends, doesn't yeah. it? Yep. It's quite... <laughs> I mean... He's both. never had a straight answer yet. Mm. <laughs> Have you not? It's... No, I'm waiting. Except from Ben. <laughs> oh, like, just red. Red. Yeah. I couldn't pick an either or. Um, just because it depends. It depends on the weather, the food, mm. the setting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just... Exactly. The that's, wine list as well sometimes. It's like, what have you got on offer? 
and sometimes the white just won't cut it at yeah. all <laughs> and then there are days where you just don't fancy a red it's yeah. not a red kind of evening no, you know <laughs> so you got intuitive wine t- uh, choosing as well this is it the only thing i do my absolute no is i never drink alone so yeah. i will never open a bottle of wine to have at home and i started buying the cardboard door uh you know the the cardboard boxes of oh, wine yeah. that you have a little tap on the bottom i got a yeah. very waitress to a very nice one yeah um it's yeah, an organic great. mm an organic primitivo they do in a in oh, a cardboard box nice. but i discovered that perhaps one of my children was having a time so uh, <laughs> casually on uh, an evening so like casually sauntered past the kitchen can't uh, after a play date and so the teenagers oh. were rumbled so that put an end to the cardboard door situation love it it's a child block on it so yeah you, do. you would have to put it in a cupboard in your bedroom or something but that opens up more cupboards i need to speak to waitress about this <laughs> yes. yeah do you need a lock on the tap look there we go <laughs> Right. Well, that well, was beautiful. Well, well done. Oh my goodness, that this was is. Good. Am I supposed to choose a favorite at the end of yeah. this? Yeah, just, just one. Just one. Just one. No, can I not have a pick of red or and no, favorite red, favorite red? That's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. So, actually, by the color, you can see mm. this one. It's probably going to be a bit more full body. It is. Um, so this is the Wirra Wirra Church Block 2020 mm. from McLaren Vale in South Australia. So. Great varieties, uh, mainly Cabernet Sauvignon, but a little bit of Shiraz, uh, pretty much actually half Cabernet Sauvignon and half Shiraz, a little bit of Merlot to soften it up. Nice. But um, yeah, mm. it's... Uh, Wood. It's a bit woody. It has that, yeah, mm. it's been matured for 18 months okay. in uh, oak, so yeah. That would see there you go. Cool. You, you know about wine. I do actually taste products know. for the Guild of Fine Food, by the way. <laughs> they, Maybe I talk know. myself down too much. I I always like to just start from a very low base and surprise people. <laughs> <laughs> low expectations. Just the bar really over deliver. Low. <laughs> uh, I'm just a low deliver. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's got a uh, lovely nose. What's going on? Lots it, of sort of sweet cedar mm. and um, lovely ripe. Forest fruits, and it has that Cab Sauvignon nose of um, what's that green smell? Like a bell cap- pepper, like mm. capsicum. Yeah, it's oh. it's a bit grassy. Mm. Yeah, grassy, Do you not think? green. You yeah, that. But you can only have a smidgen, of, like tiny, because that can be tiny. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think it makes it feel more complex and slightly you got that alive. peppery black pepper mm. from the Shiraz. Yes, yeah, it does have a bit of pepper. And Shiraz, from me, when it's from somewhere quite warm like this, it almost goes a bit blueberry, like a yeah. sweet blueberry note. Mm. So this is like, yeah, definitely full-bodied, um, very textured, um, kind of velvety palette, but you have a, like that pinch of spice that I think lifts it a bit. And not too hot, like in terms of alcohol heat. No. Um, it is 14.5, but I think they've kind of uh, integrated. Well. Mm, it yeah. feels lighter than a 14.5, does. doesn't it? it does, like it's yeah. not as sort of heavy yeah, on the totally palate. Yeah, I agree. 
What, with this you are allowed to disagree with me, by the way. If I'm talking absolute nonsense, you're allowed to no, say, no, you, this you is are just right. rubbish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are so far. You're talking absolute shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, yeah. yeah. And McLaren Bale, a great thing to look out for if you're choosing wine in the supermarket, whatever, because it's a really prestigious, well, you know, yeah, really good region, premium region. Mm. Um, yeah. It, that's really that's really interesting. I wouldn't have expected those three to be combined. The Merlot does add a bit of fruit, doesn't it? There's a tiny bit of fruit yeah. in there, and again, it's quite easy to drink. Yeah, this is the thing, like because New Australia is turned as New World, and, mm. and so um, you can be a bit more experimental. For example, yeah, in France, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon board um, and Merlot. Yes, they would go together, but you wouldn't necessarily find. Shiraz, Shiraz, and right, right. That's interesting. Oh well, look, I learned a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> What's better? Oh, probably if we had the curry here, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> we could do some taste tests. So, what would you pair with the Wirra Wirra Church Block? That's a really good question. Um, I'm not feeling an obvious. I don't think it started. It's not kebabs or chaat territory. Probably main courses. But because it's, you know, it's got all this, um, this woodiness in it and, and a bit of the floral, I'd probably go for lighter mains. I wouldn't mm. do like heavy curries, mm. which is interesting, isn't it? Because we've just talked about the kind of need for a heavier, um, heavier drink with the thick curries. But I'd go slightly lighter, more summery. You could see curry leaves going really well with this. Mm. Maybe some South Indian curries. Mm -hmm. And you'd still get the flavour, but it's not the dense texture necessarily. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting to think about wine pairings in more of a flavour way. I think with uh, being sort of primarily a wine person, I think we, we were a bit, we've become a bit lazy. Like we think about the protein to pair. Mm. So we think, um, you know, I think Shiraz, I think lamb, for example. Whereas it's so much more interesting to actually think about the flavor like what sauce is going on the lamb how are you going to cook the lamb i think that's better and i would think about you know it's a drink and a drink should complement the food you're having mm -hmm. and to me this is more kind of curry leaves it's coconut milk you know mm. but the richer some of the spicier south indian curries not necessarily like really weak korma type things but um, yeah, I would do that. And I think you'd then be able to really enjoy some of the texture and the flavours in this wine, but also really work with the food. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm already Love designing that. in my head a <laughs> what, night what of Indian food and lots of different wines. I think Please, can amazing. we call it Bolly with Bolly? Yeah. Bolly with Bolly. Don't you think my idea. Well, you, you're, you're the CEO of that night. <laughs> I need to IP it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quick run. <laughs> um, so time is now. Right? Yeah, you've tried all four <gasps> wines. So we have the hardest question now, or normally quite a difficult question. Uh, what has been your favourite wine that you tried today out of the four that you've had? I just have to say that this is an incredibly tough decision. <laughs> it's also apples and pears, and not a like for like comparison. But yeah, all the caveats aside, <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to have to be the Barafakas actually. Ooh. Well, Sorry. Um, do you not think? I just I, I think, think it's a, a fine combination. I can see lots of different applications for it. Um, it's the taste of summer in a bottle. It's the taste of holiday in a bottle. Go really well with Indian food. Sorry, 
you know, mm. occupational hazard. I've got, <laughs> got to pick one that would. And I'd 100% buy that. I'd yeah. buy them all, mm. but I think that might feature at some point at a dinner party if my friends are listening. Ah, yes. there you go. <laughs> so I think the importer was Southern Wine Roads of Belgium. Mm. So uh, they do have lots of amazing Greek wine that only mm. they have. Oh, really? So. I'll send you a link. <laughs> yes, please. I would love that. So where can people find you if they want to know what you're up to? How should people look you up after this podcast? So if you'd like to look me up, I am on Instagram, of course. Uh, What's your handle? Those, uh, occupational Hazards at Malika Basu, which is with two L's. So M-A-L-L-I-K-A Basu underscore. Uh, or I'm on LinkedIn, which I put more of my sort of work related updates uh, and on Twitter as well. Basically, I'm on every blooming social media. <laughs> so the bane of my existence, Are you on TikTok So I'm a lid. I have an account on TikTok, but I don't update it because I do lots of different things. Same with me. I have an account, but I haven't mm. done anything yet. I think with TikTok, you need I to don't. be very specific <laughs> about what, what it is you're doing. It works well if you have a thing and you keep doing a thing. Mm. And that's not quite me. I'm more a mix of lots of different things. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, Variety is the spice of life. Yes. Exactly. A lovely note to end on. So thank, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, yes, and thank we'll you. we'll see everyone next week for the next episode of Wine Flight. Awesome. Thank you, Malika. Yeah. Oh, see thank you. you so much for having me, guys. And good luck. And thank you for all this lovely wine. Yay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This was a podcast produced by Ben Frank's Wine and edited by Catherine Ag. To find out more, visit benfranks.wine.